Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I am joined by Liam Smith, online coach. He has a couple of different businesses. He's the G Sheets Master Pro um, and he's just a little bit of a geek as well, which I love because I am as well like I'm just a bit of a, a cupboard closet geek these days. Once upon a time, uh, you know, we have a lot in common and I just really wanted to get on a podcast with you and just shoot the shit, chat and just catch up dude so welcome to the show thank you so yeah um i am liam smith the not so hidden gaming geek like danny's as we all probably know everyone was a sort of a gamer at heart and it's i think like the ethos with my coaching is just almost breaking the mold of individuals like whoever you are just be who you are and don't like hide away from stuff if you're a gaming geek advertise your game geek if you're a book geek say who you are you don't have to hide behind what's almost like a fake smile, like whoever you are, just be yourself. And that's sort of who I am. And you'll probably find out on this podcast as well. I'm very open to whatever you ask. So, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a big problem for a lot of people and certainly something that I've experienced myself as well when I was younger. Um, not that I'm old, but I think as I've got older, um, I've just cared less and less about what people think of me. I've just been more authentically myself. You know, as a as a teenager, you're so wrapped up in the world of what people think of you, trying to be popular. You know, those or certainly I was back then. Um, yeah, it was a it was a weird experience for me. So I love that you're you know mad props to you for just coming out and just being like, yeah, yeah, I'm a gamer. I love it. I play World of Warcraft. Like you know, though, back in the day, that was that was a huge thing being. Um, a gamer and it, it's something that i really really was into i was a hardcore xbox gamer back in the day and uh i took it way too far i think i think for me it was an un unhealthy obsession and um i have the tendency to do that i'm very very all or nothing very very um i have a very addictive personality i would say and uh i definitely fell victim to that but I want to pick your brain about it because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about gaming. And I thought that you'd be like the perfect guy to kind of discuss this with, wow. because a lot of people have misconceptions about gamers, gaming, and kind of what it involves. Um, so the, I think the first real big misconception with gaming is, you know, you're, you're shot in a room, recluse, not social, just, you know, looking at a screen and you know what's what's your experience of that because my experience could not be further from that yeah i think from like a gaming aspect there is that sort of recluse characteristics of it of you do tend to find yourself confined to like your room your office whatever because that's where you find you're very comfortable and that's mm -hmm. probably where i was in my younger days like i'm very introverted character which if you see me on youtube you see my social media you probably you think nah he's not but that is who i am and like I found my comfort within communities, within gaming. Like these were people who were like-minded individuals like me, like they love gaming, they love the process of like leveling up in the games and stuff like that. And that's where I sort of got, like you said, a very unhealthy personality with it like from an addictive perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like follow, finding that balance between the two. But I almost find that gaming characteristics that I learned when I was younger, and obviously I still game now, have like folded into like my business, into my physique, into everything that I do because that like mindset around always wanting to level up something, even if it's like baby steps of like, like, like use RuneScape, for example, if any of you have played that before. 
Yeah. It's all about leveling up bit by bit. Even if you do like five minutes a day, that five minutes that you do has put you forwards towards a goal. And I think that sort of mindset around that aspect of gaming has really, really helped with like developing my physique and also a lot of my clients as well because it's them characteristics that you don't, you're not, maybe some of people are born with, some people aren't born with, but you develop a lot through gaming, these sort of like mindset tricks around, right, I know what I'm doing now is going to benefit me hours down the line or months down the line. And yeah, I think from, I always go on rant, so I do apologise, but <laughs> I think from like my younger days of gaming, it just gave me that escape from like reality almost of like, right, I hated school. Uh, I didn't really socialise as such. And I still don't to a degree now. I am very like introverted with like socialising. I don't get on very well with meeting new people unless we've got like a, almost like the same interests, etc. But yeah, that, that's where I found sort of gaming when I was younger. It's more like an escape from reality, I guess, which has obviously helped me a lot with who I am today, so. Mm. And I think as well, um, it just brings purpose, doesn't it? It's something that, you know, they're very clever, the designers, where they they put different levels in, they put different like DLCs in to keep you constantly feeling like there's purpose, direction, um, things to achieve. Um, one of the things that got me, you know, back in the day was um, when Xbox started to release Gamerscore. Mate, oh, I can't, yeah, yeah. I can't <laughs> tell <laughs> you. <laughs> Honestly, I can't tell you. I um, I used to spend so many times, me and my friends, uh, who I, I met all electronically, all through Xbox Live and, and chat forums and stuff. And then we'd like go onto these games that were just really hard to 100%. Um, to anyone listening who doesn't know what 100% in is, um, getting all the gamer score points, getting all the achievements, finishing everything on it, like literally 100%ing it. And I used to pride myself back then on on trying to complete games that other people couldn't. So yeah. I wanted to get as many gamer score points as I could um, without going to like the really easy games where it was like, you know, press press one button 50 times and you get all a thousand gamer score. Oh, um, I remember that. I think that was Naruto that was that game. Yeah. I remember seeing, yeah, everyone used to buy that. <laughs> Naruto and um, Avatar, I think those two was like, you literally could get a thousand gamer score in about two minutes. So just everyone rented it back in the day with Love Love Film, if you remember, yeah. when they had the, the discs, when you had that service, you could just rent a couple of discs a month. They were just like, yep, get both of those. Um but I think, I think it's that's a... a good point that you just brought up though as well. Like I think game is a very good way how males and females hide their ego mm-hmm. in regards to like obviously when you go to the gym, you do want to be and every guy's been there, they want to be the strongest in the gym, they want to be the leanest in the gym. And gaming almost allows you to have that ego without showing your ego. Like you do want to be the best in the game. And then when you go into the gym, your mindset's yeah. very different because you're not trying to impress people in the gym. You're more focused on who you impress on the gaming community. And I think that's maybe helped me slightly with like my mindset around. So like I competed this year and I said to everyone from the start, I said like, this is about me. It's not about my compete, like who I'm competing against. And I think that's mm-hmm. where my ego is more involved in gaming than it is who I'm comparing myself to and other people are both from like a business perspective and a physical yeah. perspective. So I think that's another good characteristic of a gamer is, although it's bad in gaming to get you addicted to it, it's very good mm-hmm. for lifestyle because you're not, comparing your egos to someone else as to what they're doing then so mm-hmm. i think it's trying to extrapolate the lessons of what makes you a success in gaming into real life and fitness isn't it because 
for me, I was, I was so competitive. If I was playing with any of my school friends and they were better than me, they'd be all like, oh, I'm going to go off. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, me too. I'd like go, um, what was it that you could uh, appear offline, couldn't you? And I'd just literally yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'm going off too. appear offline and just start smashing games in and practicing so that when we'd play again in like the next social game, playing Halo or Gears of War or whatever, like I'd just be that one level up and I'd get better. <laughs> and I'd just be like, they'd be like, Dan, like, how have you suddenly learned how to do all this stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Like it just, just kind of happened. Watching YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube montage clips back in the day. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about is I know that you really have focused a lot of your coaching on gamers and, and um, mostly males, if I'm, if I'm not incorrect there. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting is even now with the way that the world has changed, uh, in terms of Twitch and pro gaming and that sort of stuff, there's still this kind of negative stigma around being a gamer and also not just the negative stigma that it's just not really that masculine thing to do. You know, like it's quite a boy, judged as like a boyhood thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're a man doing it or if you're above a certain age doing it, people are like, oh, you're wasting your time, like, you know, get a life. Those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that you you hear. And, and even in conversations like with some people who, I, they don't know that I've been a gamer and um, I've actually, I, I have a really unhealthy um, relationship with gaming. So I've, I've basically had to walk away because I just, I just always want to be the best and it just is a slippery <laughs> slope <laughs> for me. Um, but it, it, in terms of where I was going with that was I think that there is a kind of attack on masculinity in gaming. What are your thoughts about that? I think like you will always get told to grow up and it's it's one of them things like technically some games are an 18 plus so you do have to be 18 if you do it the right way to play them so you're not you can't be a kid and play all games but it is something that like crosses my mind a lot and you do have to like find the balance between the two of like right are you gaming too much and are you actually moving the dial in the right direction that you want to go but I think from like a masculinity point of view it's it's that fear of guys being judged, I think, and that's something re- like the past probably year or so. Or, like you said, like the older I've got, the less I've cared about people judgments about me. Like in the past, I'd hide gaming because mm-hmm. I almost found like that was people judge me on it. Like people wouldn't want to come to coaching, so I think, oh, he's just a gaming geek and who's how to use a computer. But at the end of the day, like for like for me, for example, playing World of Warcraft, I think the subscription for that's nine pound ninety nine a month. Now you compare that to going out once a month on a night out, like the amount of money you save gaming, like your your interpretation of almost childish is very mm-hmm. different to someone else's. Like my, I can't be in a room full of drunk people. Like I think like getting drunk is not childish because it's not obviously childish, but it's just a waste of time. Like why do I want to wake up the following day, hungover, not be able to train, I want to eat shit. And then it leads into the next day and it breaks that cycle of being in routine. Like to me, I love the thought of like a Sunday morning, I can get up, go and train, eat, just leave my day as normal. So people's perspectives of wasting time is very different. But obviously getting drunk, being one of the lads is very more masculine than saying, oh yeah, Saturday night I'm doing a raid on World of Warcraft with 25 people in my guild. Like it does, yeah. it, it, it does sound like it is childish, but at the same time, if that's what you enjoy, that's what you enjoy. Like, some guys, oh, who was it now? Tom Daly, like he enjoys, is it sewing or something he does? Like that isn't to me, obviously masculine, but that's something that he enjoys and he sees that, that as enjoyment. So 
Mm-hmm. It's how you interpret these things and like, do you actually enjoy what you are doing? Like, there's no point. And I think this comes back to a lot of my rugby days. I'd go out every weekend on the piss with the rugby lads because I thought I had to fit in. Yeah. But, but that wasn't me. Like, it was me trying to fit into a crowd that isn't me. And then literally just one day I was like, right, I'm stopping drinking. I haven't drank now for like seven years. And that's that's me almost breaking that mould of like, right, I was a rugby player who my association with being a rugby player was you have to drink alcohol and you have to go on the piss every Saturday. I tried mm-hmm. to break that mould and be like, right, I still want to play rugby, but I don't want to do the Saturday night to go out drinking. And I think that was the start of like actually realising you don't have to fit into a crowd to be in a crowd. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they think that whatever your hobbies are, like go-karting, biking, gaming, whatever it is, you feel like you can't fit into the crowd of mates because they're not got the same interest as you. But like sometimes opposites attract, I guess. So Mm. I think it comes down to choosing your tribe and and who kind of aligns with your values, doesn't it? You know, if, if you are in a, hobby that you enjoy but ultimately they don't click with you on every level like also that's okay i think as i think it's something that we're not really taught that it's okay to be different you know it's okay to not actually agree on absolutely everything and especially in like today's society if if you don't agree with someone it's like from a general point of view if you just look at social media if someone doesn't agree with someone, there's a, like one side of the, the crowd of commenters are all attacking the other side and vice versa. And it just gets to the point where, you know, it's okay. We, we can like different things and we can yeah. have different opinions and we don't actually have to judge or, or be, be nasty or vile to each other. But I think that that's become, unfortunately, a bit of a, a societal norm. And, and I think I, that I think really I've leads... There was a stoic quote I heard the other day, and it's something like, it's okay to have an opinion of not having an opinion. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that I really live by. Like, if you generally don't have an opinion, don't feel like you have to go on either side of the fence. Just stay in your lane. Like, if you, if you haven't got an opinion, it's sometimes best to have no opinion and not raise mm-hmm. it than raise an opinion that you know isn't actually along with your morals just to fit into a crowd because then mm-hmm. you're preaching from a hymn book that isn't true to you. And I think it's something that, Again, I've been looking at quite recently, like what is my core values as an individual? So like my coaching is all about like the beliefs in individuals, their body, their brain, and they're finding a balance. And like these mm-hmm. are the four things that I always feel like when it comes to like, my content, when it comes to transformations, it's what has to be led back to to my morals. Like I, it's not about things that I feel like are going to impress other people, but isn't actually aligned with me. So, mm-hmm. So how do you feel in terms of a coach? What did you take out of the gaming element to bring to either your own personal journey or your coaching now? I think almost like over over delivering and sort mm-hmm. of going extra mile for clients. Like I'm, I'm not someone that likes slating people. Like I like I just said, I don't have an opinion. But in the coaching industry at the minute, it's very easy to get into coaching. Like all you have to do is put in your bio, online coach, drop me a message if you want to get coached. And I feel yeah. like the industry at the minute is very flawed in regards to certain people's practices. Like I know, obviously, with my G-Sheets business, I understand how other coaches run their business. And it's things like not replying to clients or only being able to reply through like Vox or emails once every week. It's it's just being able to get an extra mile for people. And like sometimes that help that you give someone may not go notice straight away, but a few months down the line, they actually really appreciate it. And I think, like, from a gaming perspective, that's what I've learned is, like, you almost, again, some people might relate to this, some people might not. But, like, World of Warcraft, for example, there's a lot of group quests. 
and you can't do it on your own. So you have to rely on someone else to be out there to help you out. And I feel like that community vibe of like feeling like you belong to something and just always having something where the goal is the goal's always in sight, but you're never going to achieve it, which sounds counterproductive, but you're never satisfied then. And I think that's something where people are probably thinking, like, why do you not want to be satisfied? But you're never happy with where you're at and you always want to progress to that next bit, that next bit. And I think from a coaching perspective, that's helped massively because it just allows the client to always have something to aim towards and they almost don't get to... So like me, for example, with my bodybuilding, I got to stage and I was like, right, I've achieved it now. Like, that's the end game. And it's like, mm-hmm. for clients, it's like, right, we're getting to this point, we're getting to this point, we're getting to this point. They're always progressing, both like in their physique and their life then. So yeah, I'd say... It's that constant pursuit of satisfaction, I guess. Mm, it's interesting. And something that I thought of as you were talking then is, and purely out of my own personal curiosity, is the majority of your clientele introverts? I would say so, yeah, but it's almost like, how do you word it? They're, they're, they're almost the mould of me. But it's hard to explain who I am if you get what I mean. Like I'm mm-hmm. like I'm dyslexic, I struggle with like spelling and stuff, and like I struggle with making eye contact with individuals in person. Like I'm really, really introverted. Mm-hmm. Or ex- introverted, yeah, that's the word. And um but you can see parts of you within your clients, and I think they're the best clients that you relate to a lot more because you almost know their problems. You may not have the solution for it straight away, but you're almost working with them. So like a lot of my clients stuff with like beliefs in themselves of like feeling like they're not worthy of a transformation or feeling like it's never for them. And like, that's exactly the same with me, like both from like my physique and my business perspective, I've never felt worthy of the position I'm in. Like I still don't know. Like I always feel like there's someone better than me who's a better coach or someone that deserves my opportunity more than I do. And it, it comes a lot down to like, I suppose, gratitude and journaling as well. Like I've found that has really helped with just almost grounding yourself like actually you are deserving of this and then now this is so far i'm reflecting on my clients and i've like right you've got this point like you do deserve this mm-hmm. so yeah it's just noticing characteristics in yourself within your clients and just almost bonding through that way then and obviously like you know there's certain clients that you won't be the right fit for and the years that we've been within coaching we've sort of learned now as to exactly who we can help and who we can't help and i think that's where the people who can help i almost see Although some people are older than me who are coach, you see the younger version of you in them and how you want to help them. So, yeah. Yeah, that must be so rewarding because thinking back to how I was as a teen, you know, um, secondary school, just gaming constantly. If I had someone to take me under the wing then and just be like, look, you know, this is what we're going to do. Just give you the confidence and also instill the knowledge in you from a, from a very early point, like right at the beginning of your journey. I think that's the one thing that most coaches and people in fitness actually in general wish is that they had the knowledge that they have now right at the start of their journey. Because I, yeah, I wasted um, I wasted two years, basically, doing just men's fitness, muscle and fitness workouts, not really having that much of a plan, training chest way too much, training arms way too much, not training back as much as I should. Uh, ironically, I was training legs as much as the others but then back I was just like ah that's not important (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you don't see that muscle group um but yeah I think um going back to the gaming element and and your clients I think that something that I loved about gaming was the community element you you mentioned as well the quests where you have to be part of a team and a group and you know the, the the 
chat and the interaction that you get from gamers because you instantly when you get into a lobby i mean i've not been a pc gamer so i don't know what it's like there but when you get into an xbox lobby and you're in a game you're on a team you've always got whether it's call of duty gears of war halo you've always got like an objective you've got to work together and then you're like having banter you're having crack with each other and then also when you kill the team and it gets to the end lobby there you know, you'd give each other shit then and, and trash talk and and that's, I that's just what I think it is. I think it's a very sort of something that I've noticed with online coaching recently as well. Like I, I like we we're both mentored by Ollie Carson. So when I went to his Q four event on Friday, like how lonely my sort of job is and sort of feeling part of that community on Friday, I was like, God, like I literally do live a very, very like obviously I've got my partner who I live with and like she's my rock, but it's like you don't really have that person next year along the journey and i think that's what i want to sort of install within my clients like they do have a team around obviously your goal is always going to be aligned to you as an individual but having that community around you of like right when you're down someone else is there to pick you up and vice versa when someone else is down you know where they've been and you can help them so i do think like like our jobs well like you you're over in india now like it's, it's a very very lonely job we do and I, again I see that within my clients as to who they need. They need someone to be accountable towards someone leading them from the front. So yeah, I think it's it's a very is like like you said when you've got that group style of stuff and you work towards an objective together, it does really help with just your own results skyrocketing as well. Then, mm-hmm. and I think most people will have experienced it. You know, normally around about January time, if if you've ever set foot in a gym and you're you're not necessarily that active normally you don't normally have that much of a, of a support system. You know, your friends, your family, potentially partners aren't, they're not deliberately unsupportive, but you know, when you start saying, I want to eat healthier and maybe they're not on board with the same sort of thing and they want to get a takeout. And then, you know, those sorts of things. Now I'm not demonizing takeouts. I'm just purely mm. giving that as an example, but even with training, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, you went to the gym yesterday or do you really need to go? And it's those moments where if you're brand new to something, you 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 don't need, and it's not helpful in that situation to have someone like almost being the, the, the devil on your shoulder to be like, let's get pizza. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't, but they're like, and then because they've suggested it and you haven't suggested it, it's almost like an instant buyout because you're like, ah, oh, go on then. I didn't suggest it, but that sounds like a good idea. Um, but I think having the accountability and support network is a huge thing in, in any walk of life. Uh, I remember when I went from being a personal trainer to first starting online training five, maybe six years ago now. I was in the gym. I was training clients. I was speaking to probably 100 people a day because I was on the gym floor. And then I went from that to sitting at my desk, working like eight, 10 hour days just at my desk. Yeah, fine, I'd have calls with clients and videos and stuff like that. But also my steps had dropped drastically. I'd gone from 25, 30,000 steps a day to 5,000 if I was lucky. And I remember I had this kind of like this weird couple of weeks where I just started to feel a bit low and I was like I don't I can't put my finger on what it is and I just trying to logic my way out of that situation be like what's changed like why do I now suddenly feel so low and I just suddenly realized 
I'm actually quite, I thought I was an introvert for years, but I'm actually quite extroverted. I love like talking to people. I love communication. Uh, I love meeting new people and, and just, it makes me thrive in that environment. And I wasn't getting that anymore. I wasn't getting the mm. conversation. Even if it was just like, you're right, mate. I was just sat at my desk, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not moaning, but I'm just, it is a very almost unglamorous existence because you are just literally sat at your desk staring at a screen. Like it's, it's, I love my job. It's, it's an incredible job, but you have to be able to balance the two. So what I started to do was in the morning when I first got up, I'd go out for a walk. I'd spend an hour listening to a podcast or a, an audio book. And then I'd like be like, cool, I've got some steps in. That was the first thing. It actually made me feel so much better just getting my steps in, just mm. getting outside as well. And then the second thing was like, okay, I'm going to make sure that at, on my lunch break and in the evenings, I make a conscious effort to either call people like friends, family, um, and just do unrelated work from work tasks and, and go out and see people. Cause otherwise I was just at my house like 24 seven. And I was just like, I need something more than this. Um, and once I, I started to, I, I think that's something that I struggle with still at the moment is like hmm. that balance between being an online coach, but wanting to be out there. If you get what I mean? Like I've always wanted to go to coffee shops and I'm like, oh, I'll go tomorrow. I'll go tomorrow. And yeah. it never comes around. And then, like, I'll go on my game. And this probably relates back to gaming again. Like, I can just literally boot up my PC, go on World of Warcraft. And there's, like, although I don't know them personally, there's loads of people to talk to on there. So I yeah, feel like that's effortless. almost my escape from being on my own. It's like, right, I can boot up my computer, go and play with some virtual friends, <laughs> which isn't, which, again, doesn't sound very uh, masculine or, like, sociable. But to me, that is, like, my escape is, like, another world to me which again doesn't sound <laughs> but it, yeah it's more sort of social area i guess so yeah i used i used gaming for sure as an escape mechanism when i was younger i um i, d I don't know what happened really like i just kind of got to an age where it was just that awkward age isn't it your teenage years i'd stopped all the sports that i was doing and i was just really sporty and I just had too much time on my hands. I gave up all the sports and was like, I just want a normal existence. Because for years, I um, was really privileged, actually, uh, to just do hours and hours of sport, you know, after school, whenever I had the opportunity, school holidays. Like, I just didn't have, like, a, a normal childhood in that sense. Like, I didn't get to go and play out with friends or go to friends' houses. But on the swing side, I got the incredible opportunities that I did through sport. And I think when I got to my teenage years, I was like, yeah, I just want to want to socialize more and have like a normal existence. And then ironically, just ended up <laughs> sat in my room <laughs> playing my Xbox until I found <laughs> until I found the gym at like 16 years old when they finally let us into the fitness suite in uh, yeah. secondary school. And then I was like, huh. And um, funny story, actually, I, the, one of the main reasons why I decided to take the gym seriously was um, it was it was Thor and Captain America just come out that year. And yeah. I'd seen them, I'd seen them transform. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's it. I was like, I'm taking the gym seriously. I was like, did you see these boys like a year ago? Um, and then I was just like, I'm, I'm in. So I started buying, that's when I started buying the men's health, men's fitness, muscle fitness. And it's funny just, you say that. Actually, I think that's why I got into the gym. Cause I used to watch wrestling and, I always remember Dave Batista, he could do like a pet dance. And I was like, right, I want to be able to do that pet dance I do. So that was my goal for the, it weren't to get big or 
get a bit yeah. harder just to be able to do the pec dents. And then when I did that, I was like, actually, I've built a bit of muscle now, so I'll continue doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that on your stories now. Every time you finish a workout, just little pec, little pec tweak every yeah, single, that, every single session. New, my new end of session thing now. <laughs> yeah. Get it all branded up as well so that at the end of the pec dance, you've got like a little logo bouncing on it. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's talk self-esteem and belief systems because I think, like, like myself, I, a lot of gamers use gaming as an escape or as an easy way to socialize or to portray a version of themselves that ultimately they can be. You know, you can, yeah. not just gaming, social media, you can be whoever you want to be by just clicking the button and just you know instagram is a perfect example it's a highlight reel and people's realities yeah, are not there so what's been your experience from gaming getting into the fitness industry what kind of limited beliefs did you have to overcome in in the last few years the first thing i can probably remember and if ollie listens to this you'll probably laugh at it now so don't shut up like when I first signed up with Ollie over two years ago, I literally couldn't even talk on Instagram stories. I wouldn't put my face on Instagram stories. I wouldn't even type on Instagram stories. And uh, I, I just remember doing my first talk. I was in, you might know Litchfield, killed by me. And you're like, I was in Litchfield yeah. walking around. I thought uh, for the first time on my camera, I remember Ollie saying that, right, you've done it now. And literally from there, it's like, right, that limiting belief in me being able to talk to a camera and actually, I, I can't, I weren't talking as well as I'm talking now, but I, did that first step and he's like actually that isn't too bad and then he was like right what's the next step i need to do and he's putting myself out there on social media like mm-hmm. doing the typical fitness page when you first started like topless photos and like no one wants to see me topless although you can have an only fans now and pay for it but that went around back then and he's just like actually people are interested in my journey and, and then it sort of gets a bit addictive then and then mm-hmm. actually probably speaking about that it almost can be too addictive as well like when i did my first show all my social media about was about me and same with this year like and it's something that i've noticed after again is i was so self-centered about my journey that i weren't advertising my coaching i, I weren't advertising any of my business and yeah i'd say the, the biggest limiting belief with me is actually people giving a toss about who i am and what i do and that was sort of lot like was holding me back massively like no one's going to want to work with me no one's going to understand my principles and how i do things i'm not as big as him it's just realizing actually people buy you as a person and who you are. And that's why I'm very open on my social media. Like if I'm having a shit day, I'll say I'm having a shit day on social media. If I'm having an amazing day, I'll say I'm having an amazing day. Like I don't, I don't use social media as a highlight reel for me anymore. I use it more as like just generally a look into my life, which some people like, some people might not like, but if you're following me and you listen to this, hopefully you do like it. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to do it. I think documenting not, curating because i think as soon as you start curating stuff as well and people get to know you as well i think that whole i hope anyway that the whole curated era of social media is just dying because people know that it's bullshit now people know that it's fake like they're they're aware that you're not happy 24 7 they're aware that you're not always having a good day and like if you're always posting like it's the best time or you're you know we we've both seen in the fitness industry people that are just posting loads of stuff materialistic stuff maybe um you know and they're always coming on camera and they're just super high energy and it just doesn't i mean it might relate to some people but to a lot of people that that's not the, the day-to-day yeah. norm and being and yourself as well it's sort of like that coach you see on social media i almost say to myself like if you met me in person am i the same person that you see on social media 
and that's mm. always what I live by. It's like I'm very introvert, so if you meet me in person, I might be a bit sheepish with when I'm talking and like same as I'm on DMs and like when I'm messaging people, but you understand that that is me. Where you mm-hmm. find this bubbly geezer on social media, happy Larry, then you meet me in person, I'm like, I can't make eye t- contact with you, I can't talk to you. It's like, who's this dickhead yeah. who's been showing me on social media? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And um, no, I appreciate the honesty. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, so in terms of, we spoke about this before before we went live on the podcast a, a week or so ago when we were planning. How did you overcome those limited beliefs? And you've got a girlfriend now. I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning this, but yeah. one of the things that is like notorious with gaming is obviously the negative stigma, but then also the lack of females with, with gaming. So it, it kind of builds this also like this, yeah. this stumbling block as well of you're not necessarily meeting people in day-to-day life, but then also the people that you are meeting online aren't normally girls. I mean, that's changing now, yeah. but at, at one point it was like probably a 10 to one ratio. So how yeah. did you, how did you overcome that? Well, I asked my girlfriend for directions to college, so that's how I met her. But, <laughs> but yeah, it is one of them things. I think it's, it's more the confidence and like, again, a limiting belief in guys of like not reaching out to people. Now, I suppose in this day and age, it's it's very easy to drop a girl a DM on Instagram, but that can come across very sleazy, like cold outreach and all these other things on DMs with Instagram. Like, but <laughs> I think it's one of them things. If I have never used a dating app because I've been with my partner now, I think eight years or nine, I yeah. don't know how long now, but like you've got all these dating apps you can use. And I think the main thing for a guy is their body image. It doesn't matter what, you can have the best chat lines in the world, but if you're not confident in your own skin, that's where the limiting beliefs start. And I think that's where the gym really helped me. Like, not to say I was using my physique to my advantage, but because I was a PT, I was in decent shape. I did have a bit of confidence to be able to speak to her. Whereas if I was the typical, like I did hide gaming from her for a couple of years, to be fair. And it weren't until my brother put it on my laptop and made it. And she asked what RuneScape was. I was like, oh shit. But <laughs> it's... <laughs> But yeah, I think it's one of them things like you work on yourself and like your body image, you, you know yourself, like your body image then helps your mindset, your confidence increases. And then it's just one of them things like as soon as you start to take care of your health and maybe do take away a few hours a week of gaming, you can really then start to build your confidence up and you'll find the right person. Like my girlfriend, Sophie, she hates gaming. Like we like chalk and cheese, but it's it's one of them things. If you can be very open to someone and just say like, right, yeah. I enjoy what are your hobbies I'm gaming. Like you might not want to go out for drinks, but if you're willing to treat her to a meal every week, she might be a keeper then. So <laughs> <laughs> something that I, I started laughing in the middle of the your talking then because I suddenly started thinking of some of the training that we've been doing and you were like, uh, you mentioned cold outreach. I suddenly thought, I hope he's not thinking about like cold outreach in twenty five girls and like trying to get the response back. <laughs> As a like a chat, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. That's that's definitely some some guy's strategy. Um, let's let's move on to the perfectionist in you because I know that that's yeah. also something that we share and something that has obviously helped you build a tremendous business. Well, two tremendous businesses. So, how I suppose my question really is: How have you stopped that perfectionist in you? just getting completely wrapped up in the gaming element and just forgetting the business? 
it is hard, and I think it, I do own like a lot of credit to Sophie, my girlfriend, because she does pull me back from it. But it's it's just realizing gaming doesn't pay the bills. As much as I'd love it to pay the bills, it doesn't pay the bills. And like my my results and my transformations for my clients outweigh anything. Like like you, my business is number one to me. Like I mm -hmm. I give up my own training, my own diet if it means my clients are succeeding. And I think that's where sort of it's where your priorities lie. I guess like gaming to me is a hobby and it is something I really really enjoyed. But seeing the like the change in limiting beliefs with like my clients and their physiques and how I've helped them outweighs anything. Mm -hmm. So I think and almost also having like someone to be accountable to as well. So obviously I've got Ollie as my mentor. I've got Christian who's my physique coach, and it's just having someone to hold yourself accountable to when you are being a perfectionist. But like right, you're not just being accountable to yourself now, you've got someone else to answer to and they won't beat around the bush. If you've been slacking, they're going to tell you you've been slacking. So I think having that accountability of someone else telling you like, right, you need to pick up your ideas and you need to do this, that probably helped me. But the perfectionist will always get in the way of me. Like I've got Dave, who's my graphic designer, make it unique. I have to get into my graphic designs because if I do it myself, I'm just going to keep overthinking, overthinking, overthinking it. And it's sort of like one of the things, if you can delegate it and be happy with what they've done, mm -hmm. I'm happy then. But yeah, I, I can't say I'm not a perfectionist still because it does get in the way a lot still sometimes. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a bad, bad trait sometimes. But I do think it's it does have its qualities. Um, yeah. It's obviously not a good thing if you're not getting the stuff done that you need to get done in terms of overthinking, just trying to wait for something to, to be perfect and... I'm not sure if Ollie coined the phrase, but he, our mentor both he said that um, don't let perfection be the enemy of getting it done. Yeah, that, and, and that that's something that I try and stick to. But it's like it's almost mm -hmm. like that. Um, per, is it paralysis by analysis? That is what I yeah. suffer massively. Like I'll have a task, but like I've got the biggest whiteboard ever on my wall, and I'll have task, and I do one task. I'm like I'm not happy with that. I'll stick on that task, stick on that task, stick on that, and like shit, I've wasted a day now on that, and that's something yeah. that I'm still trying to learn myself and develop myself as to like, right, you've probably done a very good job of this and you could put it out now. So just do it. Same with like podcasting, like I've waited to have the perfect systems, the perfect setup in reality. I could have just booted up this, done a podcast and then cracked on with it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's a very good characteristic to have for development, yeah. but also can be a curse as well. And I think it's something that I know that's a, another value uh, or belief that we, we really share because for a long time, I didn't want to start a podcast because I was just like, well, who's going to listen to it? And also, can I deliver value? Can I make it as perfect as possible? And then, you know, it just so happened that lockdown happened and I was bored. I basically didn't like I wasn't I was socializing even less than normal. I was just basically in my room and I started to I was planning an event at the time. So I was already in like email communication with a few people in the industry and I was like do you want to just like get on a video like zoom call and we'll just record it and I'll just start a podcast and they were all like yeah I'd love that because I'm not talking to anyone except from my friends and family <laughs> about the same thing and uh yeah that's how it started and then uh, to be honest with you being a perfectionist you're always going to be a little bit disheartened with whatever you put out and I, it's something that I truly believe that if you're doing things right anyway, you should look back at things six months, 12 months earlier and go, that's a bit shit. You know, yeah. I, I could I could do that better now. So once I kind of realized that, it, it kind of 
took the pressure off for me because it was like, well, ultimately I'm looking to always improve, always develop. And if I'm going to be like, well, I could do that better in six months time, I might as well do it as good as I can do it now. And then improve as I go along, you know, like the, the audio quality on the podcast now is, is better because I've invested in different microphones. Um, the camera quality is better because I've invested in different cameras. The, the system, um, not sponsored by the way, but using Riverside now, which means that we end up, we end up with much higher picture and, or sorry, video and audio. And if there's any internet connection issues, that means that we're like, it's interrupted. So Mm. I think just getting stuff done. And and I I did a video about this this week that I'm, I'm yet to release of just turning up, doing it. And, you know, the more you do a task, the more autonomous it becomes and the better you get at it because it's a flow state. You're not nervous because you're just suddenly like, cool, podcast recording time or training clients time. Like your first time you ever take on a client and you start creating a plan for them, you're bricking it because you're like, is this actually going to be good enough? Like, am I serving them in the way that they want? And you start to just overanalyze everything. But the more you do that, the more autonomous it became. The more you do a podcast, yeah, the more everything becomes autonomous. I think as well from that, like, it's the same as that, like, game aspect of being, like, almost proud but never satisfied of, like, you're always pursuing more. But mm-hmm. it's almost like you just said, you've also got to think, like, right, this is good enough for the moment for me, so let's put it out there. And I can't remember, I, I'm going to have to apologise, I can't remember who it was that said it, but it was almost like, no, putting no content out there on social media, you're getting nothing mm-hmm. from that. So it's better to put something out that's rubbish than put nothing out at all. And I think that's the truth, like, with anything, even, like, with your fitness journey, like, even if you don't go to the gym, but you do somewhat good with your diet, that's better than doing nothing with your diet, nothing with your training. And I think it's that mindset of like, sometimes you don't always have to be perfect to be moving in the right direction. Just you might be going at a slower rate than what you was expected, but you're moving the dial forwards, not holding yourself back because you don't want to do, you want to make it perfect then. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I fell into that trap a couple of months back. business was really busy here in India and online business was busy and to be honest by the time I like got like I tried to block out times and I was just like nah I'm not happy with the audio I'm not happy with the video and I ended up basically not posting anything on my social media for probably a month month and a half which obviously is is horrendous when you think about it like logically a logical brain is just going to look at that and go yeah but why like that makes (laughs) no sense but you could literally just put up a story And for me, anyway, I don't know if you're the same. I just got so wrapped up in the value, the production value of things. Because I was like, social media is a wash now of people that are spending ridiculous sums of money on content creation. And, you know, ultimately, I'm not in that position yet. One day I will be, but I'm not there now. And I can't compare my chapter one to their chapter 10, which is something that I persistently tell my clients. And the comparison as well, like, why am I comparing myself to someone else's business and to someone else's content when i'm not them you know i need so, to create my it own comes, it, it comes back to what you said about like the on the social media paying a highlight as well like you're looking at that individual thinking their setups are made and all this stuff but you don't know what's going on the behind the scenes like they could have wasted all their money on that setup and have got no money in the bank so their yeah. their version of happiness is getting the likes, getting the comments, getting the saves on social media, whereas our version is like, right, how many people can we impact with our message? And like, mm-hmm. I've got, I think, 3,000 some followers at the minute, but if I, and obviously not all of them see my stuff, but if I can impact 
a tenth than people, 300 people, compared to someone who's got 100,000 followers who people just follow because their content looks good, but they provide no value. It's almost weighing up the options as what to value more. Do you value really high-end production or do you value the impact that you have on so many people? And obviously, like, both our businesses are examples that our impact is working and it doesn't really matter of, and this is for coaches out there as well, it doesn't really matter what you've got from the new shiny camera or the new shiny mic, your your yeah. voice and who you are is what the people want to buy into. So, mm. so how has perfectionism helped your business? Uh, well, it's built another business, G Sheets Fit Pro, so I'll plug that, but my perfectionism of my sheets and the delivery I wanted to do for coaching literally led to coaches messaging me asking for my sheets. So I suppose my perfectionism has helped me there. But it's also helped with like how I run my business as well. Like my, my coaching business is very easily scalable, but it's also very easy for me to like shut down the doors and be able to focus on like what I did with my prep. I didn't take on clients for almost three months because I knew I had to tunnel in on that and I wanted to still be able to deliver a high-end service to my clients. And I think that perfectionism really helped with that because I almost see my clients as me. It's like, right, what service would I want as a client from my coach? So it's like, right, that going that extra mile with check-ins, all the systems that we've got, the education things. Like, I'm always wanting to be five steps ahead of where I think the fitness industry is. And that's sort of where probably perfectionism has come in with it. It just allows me to be like, right, my systems aren't good yet. And if I was listening to this as well, you'll probably laugh at me, but... I'm never satisfied with my systems, although my business itself is run off helping coaches with their systems. So yeah. it's a, again, it's a blessing and a curse because it's built another business for me. It's helped me build a coaching service that is very, very sort of marketed around the service that I offer and not just a PDF document training plan. It's everything around that. And yeah, just the quality of my content. I get, I'm sounding a bit of a hypocrite now. So I just said, don't look at the quality of content on social media, but just how I put across my social media, like you'll see everything I wear is like either blue, black or white. My branding is me and like everything you see on my social media, it's very black, it's blue, it's white. I just yeah. make things, everything that I do has a sort of purpose behind what I'm doing. If you get what I mean, like I wear blue because of my branding and I like it. Oh, I've even got like blue lights here now. It's just, yeah, perfectionism has sort of taken over my life into molding my lifestyle into my business and my business into my lifestyle, I guess. So, yeah. Mm. I think there's a difference. You know, we were discussing the production value of things, but I think perfectionism in the sense of branding and delivering quality value doesn't have to be high budget. You know, you you said that yourself. You can definitely put out stuff just from your phone. Uh, And, you know, some of the um, social media kind of gurus um, who talk about content creation, you know, that's something that they say. And ultimately you can overanalyze the whole setup of, you know, getting a studio, like all that sort of thing, just for content. And, you know, if you're not ticking off the basics, people don't actually care about that. It's only if you, if it's you as a business owner looking at it and going, that looks really cool. And, and it's interesting really, because I did a episode, a couple of episodes back, and we discussed all about social media. And in fact, it was me that said it, which makes me a hypocrite now, where social media is, is just this thing where we're all trying to like, impress people that we don't actually really care about. Mm-hmm. And like all of a sudden, I was thinking then as, as you were talking and I was explaining my situation, why I hadn't posted for so long. I was like, 
in reality, I could still have delivered value just with like the, the not as good audio because it's, it's minuscule, isn't it? Let's be honest. Once you've upgraded a, a microphone, it's a tiny bit better, but it's not, you know, it, it obviously you're, you're going to be much more clear in the environment if you've got a gym with music in the background, but that's a minuscule point. Like if you're talking and you're delivering value, people don't care if it's like shot on a DSLR or on a, like a Nokia 3210. Do you know what I mean? Like it's... I, think, I think people get very caught up in the likes and stuff as well. Like even like from people who aren't in this mm-hmm. industry, but they put up a before and after in the South and don't get many likes and think, God, oh, did I, don't, did people not notice me? But I've done posts in the past where I've got three likes, where I've had 10 people message me about that post saying, oh my God, that resonates with me so much. And some, I always say to coaches who ask me about social media is, almost see your Instagram as like your business card. Like you're betraying your values, you're betraying who yeah. you are, you're betraying what you do and someone could go to a post a month down the line and see some value in that and although no one's liked it or you haven't had the engagement you thought you had it's hitting home with people and I think that's that's where like my mindset around social media now is very very changed like I never check my likes or my saves or my comments obviously I reply to comments but that isn't why I post on social media it's literally my thoughts of the day or what I feel like someone might have asked me like a client I'm like well actually I could make a post about that to help someone and even if three people like that, if I've helped one of them three people, that's the impact that I wanted for the day then. so. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you can talk about it or not yet, but I'm going to put you on a little bit of a spot here. Oh, I know you're yeah. changing. I know you're changing a few things in the business. Yeah. What are you doing? It sounds interesting. So I've been in this industry for like a decade and I feel like my, my logo, so obviously I've got like me posing here is mm. it's portraying a different image of me that I don't want to portray. Like, I'm, I live a bodybuilder life, I guess you can say, but I don't want to be associated as, like, a prep coach or a bodybuilding coach. My, again, my values are like that body, brain, balance and belief. That is what I want my business to be about. So, obviously, from an aspect of gaming, I've called it Level Up Coaching. So, it's still under Liam Smith Coaching, but I don't want my name to be the face of the service that I'm delivering because... The service I want to deliver is more than me. It's about creating a community, creating something what holds value in the name of it. And people are proud to wear that badge of like, right, I'm part of the level up coaching. And that's sort of the message behind it is like leveling up everything, not just, oh yeah, I can help you nutrition and training, get you absolutely shredded. And then when you're shredded, I leave you in the dirt and you gain all your weight again. So like a current experiment I'm doing at the minute, like I literally didn't train for five weeks and it will be for five weeks to prove to people how quick you can gain weight when you know what you're doing. Like I've gained, I gained 40 pounds in five weeks. So I literally put on all my weight that I dieted in five weeks to show people, I know what I'm doing and that's what happened to me. So imagine what happens to you not knowing what you're doing after diet. And it's just helping people understand like everyone's human and it's working out, right, where do you need to level up the most? Is it your mindset? Is it your nutrition? Is it your training? And just giving everyone that sort of, community vibe of being part of something and not just being under the name of oh yeah i'm coached by liam smith it's liam smith coach and i want it to be i'm part of the level up i'm i'm part of this system so yeah that's sort of the thought process behind why i'm having a change and the target demographic is still gamers yeah so it's one of the things it's like gamers relate i relate to games a lot more but there's more to this now than just gamers it's like helping mainly guys because that's who I can relate to most in like just leveling up everything like their mindset all these things that I've suffered with like 
gaming is obviously a main passion of mine, but I understand that everyone's a gamer, but I understand a lot of people who had the same mindset around what I had when I was younger have that and they're not gamers. So it is the level up side of it comes from gaming, I guess, but it's not just specifically for gamers, but obviously I'll attract gamers because that's the message that I put out a lot more if you get what I mean. So yeah, it is, mm. it's a bit of a mixture, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's great to hear a little bit of your backstory because um, it, it, it resonates with me. You know, my, my belief systems were much more closed off. I was much more um, closed minded. I suppose I didn't have a growth mindset back when I was younger and I just, kind of thought that that was the way that things were and it's something that I'm so passionate about with my clients is just kind of opening their eyes to the potential that they hold within themselves and they don't necessarily know yet mm. and it's the most rewarding thing you know if you get a client the the easiest thing is obviously a photo shoot it's super super easy but sometimes just getting them to the gym just yeah, getting them so. in that environment is 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 a huge deal and then when they overcome that that's their first victory. Like straight away, they're like, wow. Like I never thought I'd be in the gym. Like I didn't think I'd have the confidence. Like to I mean, me, my is, story. This is, probably, this is probably the issue with the fitness industry at the moment is coaches associate online coaching with people expecting to understand how to use a nutrition plan and a training plan. And mm. it's something that Ollie said in the Q4 event is about coaching isn't a training plan or a nutrition plan. It's changing your clients' beliefs in themselves. And I think that's yeah. where a differentiation between like just a training plan coach and someone who's actually trying to make a change to everything in your life is going to make things so much better for you. Like anyone can follow a plan and be very, very robotic with it, but you don't learn nothing through the process. You just understand if I stick to something, I'm going to get this result. And it doesn't matter what my mindset saying. Like we all know we've, you've probably been there as well. Like when you've dieted down, you just follow the plan to the T. You don't even think about your mindset until after. And yeah. our goal, obviously, is changing beliefs around that, right? You can still go out on a weekend and have your pizza if you want, but it's understanding what you need to do in order to get to that point, to be able to enjoy the food, not have it impact your progress, and then get back on it the same day. Whereas, obviously, yeah. people who follow a very robotic plan, there's no cheat meals, or I don't like calling them cheat meals, off-plan meals. There's no differentiating away from the plan. You stick to that until you get the end result then. So... And it's just a horrendous way of doing things because people think that the secret is in the source of that meal plan. It just sends out all the wrong messages if, if you're not in the know because people are like, oh, well, that's the best foods for me to lose weight. And you're like, well, no, no, it isn't. But obviously, like, you can only, if you're on a meal plan, you, you might have like four or five meals a day. You might have three different days or, you know, you might have two different choices of days or whatever it might be. But the problem is you're not teaching someone how to keep those results. No, exactly. That's And that's the thing. I think it's about, it always comes back to that belief of like giving someone the confidence. Like, right, I, I'm happy for you now to track your own food and make the decisions yourself. I'll guide you along the way, but the decisions come down to what you enjoy and what you want to do the most then. And that always leads to, I think personally, the best results because they don't just get the results, they keep the results. And that's the difference, I think. Yeah, I always say to my clients, I don't want to see you back in six months. If you like leave, I don't want to see you come back in six months and be in the same position that we were at the start. If you want to come back and we'll go up to like phase two of the training and, you know, we can, um, for want of better terminology, I'll, I'll steal your branding. We'll level up a little bit. You know, we can, 
we can, you know, go to the next level. We can look at pushing it a bit further and, you know, whatever your goal is, that's normally the, the, the state of things. I just think that if you're using a meal plan or any kind of really, really structured thing, unless you're getting on stage or you're doing something super extreme, there's just no reason for it. It doesn't teach you anything and you need those lessons. You need to understand if I'm out and I'm, you know, on a date night, how am I managing that? How am I managing family birthdays? How am I like, cause that when you just have a meal plan, you're just like, Oh shit. And the, the, the guilt that you have for not sticking to the plan in that situation is massive. And ultimately you could have had less calories than your meal plan. And now you feel terrible about it because you've not stuck mm. to your meal plan. Um, so it's a completely illogical thing, but yeah. I think that's our job as coaches to kind of inform and educate and make sure that that's, a thing of the past you know that's something that we all have seen for a long time and just tracking macros now for me it's that's the first thing that i preach to all my clients maybe initially the first couple of like weeks get them on something a bit more structured until they understand calories and, and macronutrients a bit more and then we get them free we get them off on the road and they never go back to just i can only eat these foods <laughs> so Dude, I've loved this chat. I've loved it. And uh, when when I get back to the UK, we'll have to go out and get a, get some gaming in as well. I don't know if you've got an yeah, Xbox. Yeah. I've, I've only got an Xbox. But um, <laughs> before before we end it there, where can people find more about you? Um, well, we'll use my mind plug at the minute. So just at Liam Smith Coaching. There will be some other Instagram to come up soon. But the main place to find me is at Liam Smith Coaching. And then on YouTube, I think it's under Liam Smith Coaching as well, or Liam Smith Coaching, the level up. So if you want to watch my prep files, you can watch that and see me suffer. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> mainly Instagram, the Liam Smith Coaching, and you'll find everything else off there then. So Awesome. I'll link it in the uh, little description box below if it's on uh, YouTube and then wherever the information is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for coming on, my friends. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for having me.